Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of experts in their field and do not reflect the opinions or views of Vault Studios or Tegna. Additionally, all suspects are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and any and all crimes are alleged until a court finds otherwise. I'm Eric Flack. I'm the chief investigative reporter at WUSA 9 in Washington, D.C. Most of my decades-long career in investigative journalism has been focused on police work. I've been on the front lines of law enforcement reporting and understanding how officers operate within our justice system. I look at the good and the bad when it comes to police work, and this podcast, it'll do just that. I know, I know you want to tell us. I I can, I can see it in your face. I will tell you that we were able to get a sample of your DNA, and your DNA matches the DNA from that crime scene. This is Anything You Say, an inside look at the tactics the experts use to get a suspect talking. There's two things juries love the most, eyewitness testimony and a confession. From the outside, looking in, married life for Christopher Watts and his wife, Shanann, it seemed pretty good. They they were always hugging or holding hands or kissing, and they had, they had the perfect family. A mother and father, two little girls, another child on the way. A father who lived for his kids. There's nothing in my life that means more to me than these kids. Nothing. Kids, that's that's your life. That's your lifeline. Kids, spouse, family. Even close friends didn't see the signs of trouble lurking. Had we had any inclination that we we thought he was involved at all, no way would I have let him in my house with my wife and kid. But Chris Watts, he did the unimaginable, the unthinkable. Investigators believe that they have found the body of Shanann Watts. Their bodies were found last week on an oil field where Watts used to work. But before confessing, before he shared those grim details and led police to the bodies of his wife and two daughters, Chris Watts wasn't going to admit what he'd done. He did the opposite. I want them wherever they're at. Like, I have no inclination to where they're at right now. Like, I've exhausted, like, every friend that I know of and every friend that I have has called friends that Shanann has that maybe I didn't know about. And it's just like, there's, it's like, it's vanished. Like, she's not, like, when I got home yesterday, it was like a ghost town. She wasn't here. Kids weren't here. I have no idea, like, where they went. And it doesn't, it's just earth-shattering. I don't feel like this is even real right now. It's like a nightmare that I just can't wake up from. How, then, did two investigators sit in a room over two days and convince someone determined to lie to then start to tell the truth? I know, I know you want to tell us. I, I can I can see it in your face. Just because I Chris, people can be pushed to the point where they do something that they regret. It happens every single day. Oh no. This week, 
we'll take you inside the interview room where Chris Watts sat over the course of two days, answering questions, denying involvement, explaining it all away. And with the help of an expert, we'll examine how investigators carefully led Watts to confess and lead investigators to the grim discovery of the dead bodies of his family. Chris isn't the smartest guy in the room. Chris just feels he's the most sympathetic, he's the nicest guy. Nobody would ever think I did this. I'm a nice guy. It's August 14th, 2018, and Christopher Watts has been brought in for questioning. I'm going to sit next to you so we're going to get it together. So what I want to do is... That's the voice of Agent Graham Coder. He's with the FBI. The room is stark, white, one table in the middle, and Watts himself sitting at one end. His back is to the camera. I work these quite a bit, and so tonight, if I make one of those mistakes when I say kids instead of your wife and kids, I apologize. We work it a lot, so I apologize if something comes out wrong or... As you'll um, hear, Coder's tone, his approach, it stays remarkably calm, almost friendly, throughout the entire interview, even as he's pleading with him for the truth. But at this point... Coder, he's just getting warmed up, searching for a way to connect with Chris, to form a relationship. I know you're going through a lot, so we're not going to keep you here all night. Can we go through this? So, okay. Dr. Kimberly Masnick is a criminologist and victimologist, and she teaches on the baccalaureate level at Indian River State College in Florida. She's struck right away by Agent Coder's approach. He's very sympathetic. He's very nice to him. His demeanor, his body language, his body language is, is, is very open. Not near as open as our suspect, Chris Watts. Chris has a little, uh, you know, his hands might be a little crossed or this or that. But never at any point in time does Chris ever look like he feels threatened or afraid or anything like that. So in fact, you know, why don't let's do this. Um, so... I work a lot of stuff like this in bank robberies, and when I talk to a, you know, a witness at a bank robbery, sometimes I find it best for them to just say, uh, I just say, uh, tell me what happened, get it all out, and then once you get it out, let's go over it, okay? So just get it all out as far as this. Tell me exactly what you remember, and I'll take notes about where we can What go. Coder does is he takes Chris... He kind of knocks him off center. I can't even... I should go back and count how many... T- Times he turns around and says, I'm used to dealing in bank robberies. He talks about everything else, which, the, in my opinion, the reason that he did that, it was also a calming thing to show uh, Chris that you have nothing to be afraid of. I'm just here to gather some facts. Give me the timeline. Let's just go through it again. This isn't what I do for a living. I don't you know, go after people who kill children or this, that, whatever. So I think it was kind of to, to knock him off balance. Chris falls for that. And so therefore, he's very accommodating and very forthcoming with his time frame, what happened, when it happened, how it happened. So Graham didn't have to work for it that hard. So it, it, I shouldn't say it in that manner because he's been trained and he knows what works. So for us, it looked like it wasn't difficult. But I'm sure anybody that I know, if I had to sit there across from a guy who 
I think did what he did, it'd be very hard to control my face, my attitude, and my emotions. And Coder did a great job. That ability to stay calm, patient. It's not what you might think about when you listen to an interview or interrogation. But this agent, the one who's desperate to get to the truth, to find out where this mother and her daughters are, to find out if they're dead or alive, he has to calmly play this game. The whole thing, it's a dance. Will Christopher ask for a lawyer? Will he get too frustrated or angry and just clam up? How much should they push him or should they push him at all? In the meantime, Agent Coder has to read Chris as he goes and react as needed. And at this point, he makes a move that may seem subtle, but he knows what he's doing. He moves across the table, closer to Watts. Let me switch the chairs. That's when they come knocking. Graham treats him almost as if he's a friend. He sits on the same side of the table as him. He maintains an acceptable distance from him. He isn't too close where he's aggressive, but he isn't so far that they're separated. So when I work investigations like this, I have to keep an open mind on everything. Okay. And part of keeping an open mind is listening to you talk about your wife and your marriage. And the day she goes missing is the day that you guys have marital discord. It honestly just makes me sick to my stomach because this is something that I would never do. I'm not sure, like, what I could do to, like, to make people believe that just because if they, if they knew or have marital discord, they would automatically leave me. But there's no, I would harm anybody in my family at all. And what's in, what makes this whole case really interesting, the whole interview process, is Graham maintains that almost through the entire interview process because somehow they got it right the first time. They picked the right law enforcement officer who had the right attitude, who had the right structure to deal with somebody like Chris Watts and his attitude and his behavior. I don't think if you had went hardcore after Chris, I think he would have shut down. So uh, he kind of allows him to feel like he's not the smartest guy, like that Chris is not the smartest guy in the room, but he does not feel like a threatened guy in the room. So normally I'm used to looking at or evaluating a case or one that I'm working on now that's taken multiple officers that have come in there that have been aggressive, that have been friendly, that sat too close, they were too big, they were too small. They just didn't fit, and they got the perfect fit right away. I know we were having marital discord, and we had that conversation that morning. And then she goes, we have no idea where she is, or the kids. Chris never refers to his family by their name. It's always the kids. It's not even my children. He kind of disassociates uh any attachment that he has for any of them, which probably is a defense mechanism for him. It's his way of distancing, you know, by not using their names. So, and he is consistent through that, through the whole thing. I promise you that no, no, I had nothing to do with any of that. Why should I believe you? Because I'm a very trustworthy person and the people that do know me 
They know how I'm a calm person. I am not an argumentative person. I am a person who is never going to be abusive or physical in any kind of relationship. I would never harm my kids. I would never harm my wife. I mean, you can talk. I mean, any, you can talk to any of my friends, any of her friends. They know me. They know I'm a low-key guy that's quiet. I'm, I'm not about confrontation. I'm not about anything that elevates to that level. Agent Coder tells Chris he's going to take a break and look over some of his notes. Uh, I'm going to come right back in here. I'm not going to be out very long, okay? Sure. All right, I'll be right back. But every move, every break... It's all part of the plan. Yeah, there's a there's a war room going on right now. There, there are people that are sitting watching what's happening. There's also somebody that's watching um, how long how long you leave the person in that room can be one minute and make the person crazy enough to talk, or you can leave them for half an hour. So there's also somebody back there watching that to see you don't want him to get too frustrated because then he's gonna shut down, get angry, and be done. So yeah, they're running around like crazy people. There probably were 20 people running around doing things. As it turns out, Chris sits alone for more than 30 minutes. It's a long wait, but for the most part, he seems calm, shifting in his chair occasionally. Coder comes back in and sits down. Same chair, same side of the table. You've done very good in talking to me about this really hard conversation you guys had, okay? Very good. That's sometimes hard. And I understand why sometimes someone in your position says, uh, doesn't want to tell me about that. Because please go help me find my kids, and you don't need to know about my, my marriage argument, okay? So I got to say, you've done very good at that. Um, and I need you to keep doing that. So I need to ask you about um, your marriage and... Uh, infidelity. Okay. Sure. Okay. Tell me about it. I have never cheated on my wife. Okay. And I fully suspect she has never done that to me. Oh, okay. Like, she's always been a trustworthy person. I've always been a trustworthy person. I fully expect if we ever thought about straying another way, mm-hmm. that we would tell each other before it happened. Agent Coder doesn't fall for what Chris is saying. I think that sounds ridiculous. Because in the history of the Earth, nobody ever does that. Okay, I just, I just, I just, that's what I would like to think. Okay. I mean, I mean, I know mistakes happen. Like, sure. You know. Yeah. But that's what I, would, in my head, that's what I would okay. think would happen. I would hope would happen. Okay. But, but even as he's calling Chris out on what he's hearing, he stays on his side. Now, even though I think that sounds ridiculous, if I was in your shoes, I'd say the exact same thing, and, and I believe that. Okay. But I kind of don't. And you can imagine in my job, I meet all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine that there are people who have Saturdays with their girlfriends and Sundays with their wives. Okay. Right? And they consider themselves to be very virtuous people. I gotta ask, what's, okay. her, what's her name? <laughs> I don't have another one. You sure? I'm sure. Okay. So, again, highly trained investigator over here, right? I see pictures of you from a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I see you standing before me now. Okay, okay. Got, you've gotten pretty fit. Yeah. Okay. You can imagine when guys start cheating or want to cheat, that's what happens. Yes. So tell me about it. But I did not cheat on my wife. Chris goes on to answer questions about his relationship with Shanann, why it seemed to be falling apart. 
losing its spark. The love that you have for each other, like from start to finish, like from right when you started to where if your relationship ends, like when you're in that type of relationship, you're with somebody for that long, something happens. Like something like if it's just conversations or if it's just like, you know, I mean, it's not attractiveness at all. Like it's just a connection that isn't there. Like, you know, where you can like look at someone and, or just like put your forehead to their forehead and you just like hold them and you know what each other's thinking, that's a connection. I didn't have that connection anymore. Okay. And then, Agent Coder, he does something interesting. Not just the question he asks, but the way he phrases it. Again, suggesting that he's on Chris's side. He's there to help him. What do I do to help you walk out of this room and not look like the person who's responsible? You have to trust me that when I tell you that these two beautiful girls right here, I did nothing to them. And to my beautiful wife, I did nothing to her. Like, you have to trust me and believe me. Like, I know you don't know me as a person. You've known me for like two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what your opinion is. But you have to realize that these two beautiful girls right here and my wife, I had nothing to do with the disappearance. Like, they vanished. They were taken. Someone take, has taken them, they're safe somewhere, we don't know. I had nothing to do with these, this, with this act of like evil cruelty, whatever has happened here. The amount of love I have for my family is exponential and I, it's never gonna die. And they need, I want them back. Okay. I have to have them back. Christopher Watts, he's not budging or changing his story or his lies. He's sticking to the story of a distraught father and husband who has no idea what happened. So Agent Coder tries something else. So can we talk about two Chris's? The tale of two Chris's, kind of. Um, and you need to help me know which Chris I'm looking at today and which Chris you really are. Chris number one is right here, right? And fell out of love with his wife, okay? wondering what it might be. He didn't have a wife to take care of and a girl to take care of. Spent some time alone. Liked that time alone. Came home. May or may not have had a conversation about how to get out of this marriage or how to fix it, but probably how to get out of it. Is looking at a bachelor pad in Brighton and did something terrible to his wife and kids. And that may have been an accident. And I think it was an accident. That's not the Chris you're looking at right now. I've never seen that really happen before. There are two Chris's, and which one am I in the room with? The one that did something horrible, and he never really mentions that Chris too much because he stays away from him. He goes back to, the Chris that knows how to, you know what to pack, you know what books to read, you know what time to put them into bed, you make sure they're warm every night. It, he validates over and over and over again, the good Chris is a good dad. And then he'll skirt the other Chris. Like he says, I know this other Chris exists and I need to talk to that Chris because I think this Chris did something 
that the real Chris, the one I'm looking at right now, didn't mean to do. The only Chris you're looking at is the man who loves these kids and loves his wife and will never, ever, ever do anything to harm them. That's the Chris you're looking at right now. But Coder, even as he straddles that line with Chris between friend and investigator, he's blunt at this point, and he doesn't hold back. Nothing you've told me tonight feels like the truth. Can we start over? Sure. I think that there's something that happened that got maybe a little bit out of control. There was no fight. There was nothing physical. It was a, it was a conversation. There was, there was no, we didn't raise our voice, nothing. I promised you that. So there was, there was nothing physical with this conversation. It's been hours now. Coder makes a decision to stop for the night. But first, he wants Chris to commit to talking and to keep thinking of Coder as an ally, someone he can confide in. I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to be your guy, okay? I'm going to be your guy to handle the investigation, okay? And I'm going to be your guy that you can come to. I want you to know that if you have a question, if you think we're not doing something enough or well enough, I want you to say, I got to call Grant. And then Coder, he does something interesting. He prepares Chris for what his night is going to be like. So tonight when you lay down and your head starts racing, there's going to be things that come to your mind, okay? This always happens, always. It's very natural. You're going to say, I wonder why he asked me that, okay? You're going to say, screw him. How dare he accuse me, okay? You're going to say, I wonder if they thought of this, okay? And then you're going to say, I probably should have told him something or this or that, okay? Those are the most common things. Um, when those thoughts come to your head, I want you to call me. But then I think by telling him, yeah, when you, this goes one of two ways. If you're completely innocent, you're going to go home and you're going to be exhausted and you're going to crash and think of nothing. Or you're going to wonder, what do they know? How much do they know? This, that, and everything else. So not only does that allow Chris Watts to think about what he's going to go through, because he knows he did it, but it also puts it in his head so that it's definitely going to happen at this point. And again, Coder goes back to the good Chris, the family man, the loving father. I can see that you're a good man. You don't have beautiful daughters with good clothing that look well-fed, right? Children that are unhappy don't smile like this. Those kids have a good dad. And again, he gives him a lifeline, a chance to explain what's happened. Maybe it was an accident. If there's something you know, I want you to go home and I want you to know that I'm the guy you can talk to, okay? Who's not going to judge you. And then finally, before ending the interview, he brings up the idea of a polygraph test. Would you take a polygraph? Sure. Okay. I want to remind you that tonight is voluntary, okay? I can't keep you in here. I won't keep you in here. If you want to get right up and walk out of here, you can do that, okay? Do you want to keep talking with me? I mean, I can. Okay. I mean, if that's what you want, I can keep talking. Okay. It was smart as well to tell him how the process was going to go. Uh, he informs him at one point, he says, you don't have to stay here. You can get up and walk out and leave at any point in time. And you understand that I'm not arresting you right now. You understand that you can walk out of here at any time. Eventually, Coder tells Chris to go home 
to pick up his dad in the morning from the airport and to come back the next day for that polygraph test. And that following day, after the polygraph test is done and once the results come back, Agent Tammy Lee with the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and Graham Coder come back into the room where Chris is waiting. Tammy Lee doesn't waste any time getting to the point. First off, I was surprised to see that the polygrapher was a female. That's something that I am not very accustomed to, so I was happy to see. So she comes in, she looks professional. In my opinion, she is dressed much more professionally than than Graham has been through the, you know, the the whole process. He's very laid back, whatever. She's she's dressed more with a, a jacket and things like that. So I think that's her very first step at taking charge. So um, it was completely clear that you were not honest during the testing, and I think you already know that. Um, you did not pass the polygraph test. Okay. So, and she takes charge from the moment she comes in. She walks right in and she's like, dude, you failed. So now we need to talk about what actually happened. I feel like you're probably ready to do that. Uh, I didn't didn't lie to you on that polygraph, I promise. But before Watts is able to protest any further, Coder breaks in, the voice of calm, his ally. Chris, I'm I'm, I'm not stopped. Stop. Just stop for a minute. Take a deep breath. I want you to take a deep breath right now. That does two things. One, that stops the process from going to a level where I want my attorney. Okay, so it stops him from thinking that it's going going to a direction that's going to be in, in Chris's bad, you know, bad interest to go that direction. It also does allow him to calm down and um, think about what does he really want to say? Because he may change, this might be the part where we start changing our story because now you're confronting me. There's a reason you feel sick to your stomach. And when people hold stuff inside, it makes you physically ill. And I can just tell on your face, I can tell you tell from the second you walked in that you were wanting to just come clean and just be done with this. And I appreciate that because you knew sitting down in that chair that you weren't gonna pass today. And you knew I was gonna find out because I told you that. And then you continued to stay, knowing that you could, at the end, say, you know what, I just need to get this off my chest. Like, I just need to tell you what happened. They picked up on the fact that Coder's style was working. So she could have come in hardcore and just hammered them because she had what she needed, but she didn't want to do that. And it probably would have backfired. She came in authoritative, but not aggressive. We're not, we're not here to play games. We're not here to do any of that with you. We just want to know what happened. So can you start from the beginning and tell us what happened? Everything that I've I told you, I did not lie on this polygraph. I am, I don't know how much I could, I could tell you right now, like, I did not. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even an option right now because uh-huh. you did not pass the polygraph, uh-huh. so I know you were being deceptive, so. That's not even an issue, an issue right now. The issue right now is what happened to Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. That's the issue right now. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about that. I don't think you can push him far. 
because he's going to crack. He's either going to completely lose it and shut down and you're going to get nothing or he's going to do the only thing he knows that he's seen on TV and he's going to lawyer up and you're going to get nothing. Okay. So there's no winning there. So push a little, take two steps forward, one step back. I know, I know you want to tell us. I, I, can, I can see it in your face. Holding this lie in is going to do nothing for you. I know that's like, okay. I'm not like trying to like cover things up like- it's Yeah, but you kind of are because in, in, it's normal. Normal people would do that. Normal people that make a mistake initially are gonna go, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. That's normal. I would expect that. This is where, this is where the rubber meets the road, Chris. Like don't let this continue any longer, please. I'm not trying to make anything continue. Like, I want them back home, like... But you know they're not coming back home. You know I, that. I don't know in the back of my head. I'm, I hope they come back home. But you know they're not. I, I hope they come back home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know they're not coming back home. The game, if you can call it that, continues. The investigators, at time pushing, and then pleading. And Christopher Watts sticking to his story. I, I do not know where they are at. If I could have my babies back home right now, I would. I want them back. I want everybody back. That is the God's honest truth. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Finally, after two long days, Chris decides to open up. It's not the confession they're looking for, but it's a start. He tells them he wasn't faithful to Shanann. Okay. I cheated on her. I know. I had she was on her and I feel horrible for it. Like she was pregnant and I didn't hurt her. I cheated on her. I hurt her emotionally. I cheated on her. But it's a red herring. Tammy and Coder already know Chris has a girlfriend. They already know he was cheating. They need a lot more. And they're not there yet. Coder brings it back to Chris and his family. So can you leave her out of it? Okay. Get back to your wife and your daughters. Okay. Where are they? I do not know. That was what I was holding back. Like, I didn't know, like, what I did. I know, Chris, in the interview today, you weren't asked about infidelity. You were asked about... That was... I was holding back from last night. That's when you talk to today. That's not how that works. You would have reactions to every single question, not just the ones that we talked about being important. Like the ones you wanted me to lie about? Like, is that what you're talking about? No, the ones about her disappearance and knowing where she's at and about what you, about seeing her last. And he was like, well, I was nervous. And and she's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. And then he goes into the story of, well, yes, I was holding something back. I'm having an affair, blah, blah, blah. But she says, those were not the questions I asked you. So just because you're nervous, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to fail. What I'm seeing is that everything I asked you, that's what you failed on. 
Agent Tammy Lee comes back in. She tries something new, an observation that anyone watching the interview might have noticed by now. I just, I just find it hard to hear you talk about just having this emotional you know, conversation with Shanann and you're bawling and crying together and you have not shed one tear in two days that you've been here. No, not one. And I help me understand that because I don't get it. You're, these are your baby girls and you have not shed one tear over them not being around. Chris, I, 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 I lose my four-year-old in the store for 10 seconds and I start to go panic, panic. I have not seen any of that from you at all. Help me understand that. I love those girls. I, I would never do any of this because I haven't shed a tear. You get yeah, no, that's weird. Is I, that I, weird? I, don't, don't look into that like I don't love my well, kids. Tell me, my explain wife. to me. You're, you're crying with your wife that you're leaving her. Yeah. But you don't cry that you're two little baby girls. I'm hoping they're still around somewhere. I'm hoping they're still somewhere. Jimmy, you don't have them right now. You're not reading stories to them at night. I know. You're not giving them midnight snacks. You're not giving them their medicine. You're not waking up with them in the morning. I know this. Like I. So that should cause you pain. It does cause me pain. But I don't see that. I don't see that. I want to I, see I, the Chris that cares. I want to see I, the Chris that, you know, feels bad about what he did and wants to, you know, get this off his chest and be done with this and let us find your little girls so that they're not out there in the middle of a field or whatever somewhere. Your kid falls off the bicycle when you take the training wheels and they're crying. You feel bad. He, we have two children that are missing. Well, technically we have three because we have one on the way. And he's not concerned. Nothing. He, not one tear do we see in two days. Still, Chris doesn't break. He says he knows nothing. He has no idea where they are. It's time for another lifeline. Chris, did Shanann do something to them? No, I don't know. I'm serious. I have no clue. So you wouldn't know because they didn't leave the house. Did Shanann do something to them and then did you feel like you had to do something to Shanann? They were at the house when I left. They were there. They weren't there. They didn't leave. They vanished. Yeah, it's, a t it's actually a typical tactic. Well, what did she do that made you so mad? What did you, so by making Shanann the bad guy, it goes right along with how he's already thinking and feeling about her. He doesn't like her. He wants rid of her. So now I have given you an excuse to get rid of her. Because if she, if she was on top of her child, you know, if she had already killed one and she's killing a second child, then he's acting in defense of others and nobody's convicting him. We have no doubt you love these girls with all of your heart. But we make mistakes. That's okay. It's what we do with those mistakes that make us who we are. And then she also, I think the fact that she's a female allows her to not appeal to... Shanann is not the way to get him to talk and confess. Because at this point, we already know he doesn't like Shanann. Shanann needs to go. Okay, she's, she's a problem for him. But he did appear to be a good father, okay? So her coming in and appealing to his 
behavior, his attitude, his demeanor, his, you're a great dad, having a woman validate that, I think was very smart as well. I feel like you cleaned up for her. I feel like that's the type of guy that you are. So she, play, she herself plays good cop, bad cop, because she says, dude, you're lying, but you're a good dad. So let's be the good dad one more time. Finally, Chris has had enough. He asks for his father, who's waiting in another room. Can I have to talk to my dad or something? This has to be a tough decision for Coder and Tammy Lee. Chris is still talking. He's opening up, but they can't get him to break. Will bringing in Chris's dad put an end to the interview? If we bring in your dad, will you promise me that you'll talk to him? I think bringing his dad in was pivotal as well. Holding his dad all that time and then bringing his dad. His dad seems to be the only person that he truly cares what they think, feel, and whatever. Okay? He, he, the only thing he was concerned about with the woman he was having an affair was that if she'd have known about this ahead of time, he wouldn't have gotten to go out with her. He doesn't talk about, he does mention one time, well, what's going to happen to me now? Um, but there's no thought process as to what the consequences are, which could put him in that, that sociopath, that psychopath section where they don't mind you paying a consequence, but they either can't think of a consequence for themselves or they're never paying one. So the only person I think, I think bringing dad in and when they brought him in was the right moment to do it. And it's during that emotional meeting with his dad, Chris, still on camera, opens up even more, telling him that Shanann killed the kids and Chris killed Shanann in a fit of rage. Knowing they've made a breakthrough, Graham Coder and Tammy Lee come back in. They're ready to hear what Chris has told his father. Lee enters and puts her hand on Chris's back. Is okay? Sure. She does this whole rubbing his back and patting him thing. That's a motherly instinct. That's a comforting, I'm not here to do this to you. I'm here to help you get through it. We know it happened. Now let's just get through it. Uh, it's, 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 the same, it's the same concept as if you go and you watch an interview or an interrogation between two men and all of a sudden the male investigator moves in, like he moves in between the guy's knees. You're now in his space. You are in charge. It's the same thing. It's just coming at it from the female perspective. Slowly, calmly, Watts recalls finding his kids, no longer breathing. And then... She hurt my kids. Like, I didn't say anything to her. Like, I didn't say anything to her. She hurt my kids, so I did the same thing to her. He's said it. He's confessed to killing Shanann. While his father rubs his back, and with agents Coder and Lee nearby, Christopher Watts finally sheds a tear. Chris, I know they're gone, but they're still your babies, and you're still their dad. I don't want them there. You don't want someone else to find that one there. You don't, I promise you. It might not be the full story, the full truth, but they know they've got him. 
And now they can find out where he's hidden the bodies, the bodies of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. But it's a slow process. After more time, more coaxing, he tells them where the bodies are, stuffed into oil drums on a job site where he was working. But Coder and Lee, they're not done. They don't believe Chris's story, the one about his wife smothering the children. The lifeline they gave him, that was in order to get to the truth. Coder confronts him, saying he doesn't believe his story. Either you're this monster, I just want this young, hot girlfriend, so I'm going to kill everyone and hope it works out, or something. I think we're very, very close to the truth, but not by their guesses. So if you're not that monster... I'm not a monster. I didn't kill my babies. Okay. For today, Christopher Watts has said all he's going to say in the interrogation room. The bodies of Shanann, Bella, and Celeste Watts are later found where Christopher Watts said he left them. Christopher Watts was eventually found guilty of murdering his pregnant wife and his two children. Watts was given three consecutive life sentences. The fact that they got what they got as fast as they got it is amazing. Uh, And I attribute it to two things. I attribute it to the type of person that Chris Watts is. I don't find him to be a strong individual. I don't want to say he's an unintelligent individual, but he's he's not a criminal. He's not a criminal. He was a selfish, narcissistic guy, and he had no plan, okay? So that helped a lot. And then then law enforcement got it right on the very first try. They read him. They sent in the right investigators, the right polygrapher, and, and, and they played him. Much later, the full story of what happened on that early morning will come to light. In a jailhouse interview with investigators, Chris Watts would describe how he drove to the oil fields with his wife's body and his daughter's they were still alive. Once there, he smothered Celeste with a blanket, and then he killed Bella. The final truth, finally revealed. What do you think about the Christopher Watts interrogation? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can visit us on Facebook at Inside the Crime Vault. Anything You Say is a Vault Studios production. You can learn more about our podcasts, including Bardstown and The Officer's Wife, at vaultstudios.com. Special thanks to our expert, Dr. Kimberly Masnick, for her help on this week's episode. Vault Studios executive producers are Adam Ostro and Will Johnson. For Vault Studios, I'm Eric Flack. (laughs) 